Hey, welcome to Trauma Rama Ding Dong. This is Remy Ramirez. This is Jonathan Griffin. And today we are talking about the trauma of spirituality. And my friend Chelsea is on who I, <laughs> she's a spiritual being having a human experience. And we met at a spiritual, uh, well, we'll talk about it later, but we, we had a spiritual experience together. Say hi, Chelsea. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for coming on. And thank you for recommending you. You um, emailed us and you were like, yo, can we please talk about spirituality and how traumatizing it is? So Chelsea is not only a friend, a fellow human having a fellow or a spiritual experience, but also is a listener who actually connected with us, which we love. Yay. Yeah. If you email us, we will literally email you back. Turns out. I mean, if you're cool. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, If you suck, we probably won't email you back. Right. Jonathan, how are you doing? How is your week? What's going on? Girl, I am living and I'm loving and I am doing what I am doing. And I feel very lucky. I'm feeling a lot of gratitude. And I know that, you know, with the world experiencing, um, covid the way that it is it's kind of uh it's a mixed it feels different to say that like i acknowledge that there's a lot of people that that's not happening for so um but being at pride pride month here in san francisco and just like so um i haven't drank in six months or wait since january wow yeah so it's like i i'm not sober but like i'm just taking a break or like you know practicing that as like a a spiritual practice actually my body so um yeah kind of reaping the benefits of that but yeah just feeling good I just ran down to get my Juanita more pride party ticket uh, yeah so she's a really good friend um and I'm dyeing a lot of fabric I know I saw your tie-dye situation is off the hook yeah, shibori. Um, I'm going to do like a camo tie-dye today. I think oh. with some bronze and some olive. But also, um, for everyone who is listening, I'm also going to be, I do archival research around um, the art of being um, a queer human in a physical body, experiencing something, or a spiritual being in a human body, a queer body. Um, so yeah, I do research about the historic um, sort of um, leadership among the LGBTQ plus community um, and direct action group. So I'm going to be presenting for the community um, during Pride Month. I think the date is going to be like a Tuesday or something before the end of the month. So I'll go ahead and like pop that out on my social meds. But um, I'm, yeah, I'm going to be presenting it to the community um, and everyone's invited. Everybody go. Everybody doing it. But I feel like my whole thing as an archival researcher is like how do we look at the past to find hope in the present right and you know hope for the future how do we navigate the future with these like because I think so often we look to the past with this like sense of like you know almost religiosity you know appropriately Mm -hmm. enough like it gets like sacred or something but it's like no the past is just like a guidebook Mm -hmm. if you find the hope there right so Everyone's invited to join me on that. Yay. Yay. That's exciting. Yay. Well, I have a rash on my fucking nose. No, fuck no. (laughs) My cat cat rolls in pollen and then comes and cuddles with me like right in my face all night. Fuck new. Yeah, I know. New. New on the news. (laughs) 
and it's been good new in the news and it's been going on now for like a while. And finally I was like, this rash isn't going away. What the fuck? And, and it hurt. And so I went and got some, babe, <laughs> is this content? I'm just literally talking about my rash. Yeah. 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 Cortisol. Uh, yeah. Cortisol so, is content. I'm going to get some hydrocortisone cream, but I got calendula gel. Self-care is content. <laughs> I'm telling you that calendula calmed that pain right down. Like I felt so my face was mm. like on fire. And then yeah. You could have just shoved a fistful of arnica in the puss. <laughs> and then but don't you like masturbate your way to joy sometimes? Okay, Isn't let that, me like, tell you about my masturbation the, journey. Yes, I do. Joy. Oh my god, I do Make masturbate. For joy, but also come, Remy. Okay, That's this is what say. I'm saying. And I, I want to shout out my friend who sent me. I want to shout friend. out clitorises real quick. Shout yeah, out to the clit. Shout out to the clit. Clit's also, shout out forever. to Miriam who sent me this like insane uh, clit, clit sucker sex toy. Yeah, it's what like even a, is that? I don't know, and I haven't I tried it one. yet. Yeah, it's what? Exactly. you haven't even tried it? I'm trying it. I want to uh, try it because you have to have lube, and I don't have any lube, so I need to go get some lube. Honey, some coconut just spit oil on it first. But also, I don't know if you saw my story. If- just rub a little calendula on it, girl. <laughs> it could be like a transportational experience. Maybe you're on to something. Maybe you experience something new. This is actually a really good idea. I should put some calendula on there. But I'm what I'm trying to say is that it also... Kelsey, Kelsey can we use calendula as lube? What's Kelsey your hot knows. What's your hot? One hundred percent. Yes, calendula is amazing. Yes. I actually have this like amazing lube that has a bunch of botanical ingredients that has like kava and cinnamon and fuck um, yes, God, Damiana, all this stuff. It tastes amazing and it helps like relax the vagina. So if you have any like pain or anything um, with intercourse, it can like, it's um, actually designed to kind of like prime and prep the day. Yeah, it's amazing. <gasps> okay, so I never, I never am like have post envy, but I'm, I'm a little right now. Yes, right now in this right moment, because just hearing Chelsea describe that moment, I'm like, whoa, whoa, <laughs> Chelsea! Oh my god, this is like some goddess shit. Thank you so much. Godessa. <laughs> yeah, it's it can totally be used on all genitals. It does not discriminate, and it's loveliness. Okay. So, Jonathan, Alrighty. yeah, you you can get down on this too. Holy Back, shit. Yeah. Now we know. Oh my God. So yeah. Remy, I'm holding space though for your trauma around the rash, but also now get that puss puss girl. Calendula <laughs> that shit. I was gonna <laughs> sprinkle some calendula on, on there. But but this sex toy has all these different settings. Oh. And and you know, Wait, are we talking reading. like blender like status? Yep, like exactly. It's like crushed ice to like right. puree or whatever. Yeah, exactly. It has all these okay. different settings and there are, and and so I was like playing with the settings with my friend Sarah. We were like, what does it do? And, and then we found this one. Yeah. You know, like, what does it do? And then one of you loses an eye. <laughs> yeah. I mean, goddess forbid. But, you never you know. know with these fucking sex toys these days. But it right. was like, it, you know, it goes like me, me, like whatever. Me, me. One setting. But then it yeah. has this one setting where it's like a full on like jazz quartet. It's like me, 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 Maybe we could sample that for our next debut EP or whatever. Yeah. 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 We should make it. Just EDM you and album. me free boxing or freestyling to the. <laughs> <laughs> 
we have to build a market for that I'm we're, sure. we're just like well however whatever it takes to get famous we'll do it we'll fucking we'll i mean not whatever what That's i mean let's right. have we have to have some fucking there has to be a line somewhere we have like one boundary we don't know what it like, is but we i have, have like a half of a boundary and it <laughs> and it involves no i'm not gonna say it on air but you can dm me if you want my boundaries <laughs> yeah yeah, fucking send us an email if you want our boundaries. We'll talk about yeah. it with you. Oh, fuck yeah. Remy and I will get our legal team together and we will pound some Adderall and come up with a boundary list. <laughs> God, yeah. I've only done there's Adderall like, once. There's and like I did... three boundaries on it. We've crossed them all. <laughs> well, we're like I... wanted. We're wanted in like the equatorial regions of the world. Ooh, uh, yeah. I needed. love this for us. Equatorial. Yeah. yeah. Fuck I yeah. love that. Um, but quick story. One time I did Adderall and I did a quarter. It was the one time I've ever done. It was a quarter of a pill and people, um, were like, so impressed with me because I was just rapping constantly all night, just making up raps on the spot. You did a quarter of a pill. Remy, that's not even, I did that this morning and I'm I'm not even like. I was like, I did I was, that this morning and I didn't even take it. I just ran down Grove and I was Francisco like, and I like absorbed it from the street. Yes, I know. I was like, keep this away from me because I love it so much. Like, wait, but oh, you're not an upper girl, right? I don't tequila I, though. I just, yeah, it's just, I'm a tequila girl and I don't really touch drugs other than my like sleep gummies, my weed gummies well, to help me pass out. But turns let's out put one of those in the puss and see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm gonna put, I'll, I'll put one in my butt if you put one in the puss and then we can compare notes it's a fucking deal then we'll do a, a podcast uh, about it we'll make it a whole separate podcast I do want to chug rosé in my butt though one day mm, I when think I you could die drinking. don't say that and oh god be careful as it's long possible saying. it's possible but rosé picture like a box of franzia up the hoo-ha oh my god i thought you meant frozen rose i was like oh that sounds so no, no. <laughs> that is what i said but now i'm recanting i'm okay. listening okay okay wait okay. should we talk about god yeah let's do it let's do it okay well i think this is like an appropriate like hopping off point you know butt chugging rose god <laughs> so one leads to the other you know yeah well 100 percent I mean, uh, we were made in their image. You know what I mean? That's right. So, it's like looking in a mirror, God, Franzia butt chugging. If we butt chug frozen rose, that means God does, you know? Right. I mean, we're made in their image, that's allegedly. Right. So, my wee baby trauma around spirituality back in. Wait, before we get into this, can I just tell you that I love you and I'm really happy that we're doing um... this? And I hope that. Everyone out there who's experienced trauma because of this wide and like very immense thing that we're talking about. It's I just, I have, I have compassion for everyone. Yeah. So yeah, but I love okay. you too. So I love that. you. I love you too. Great. Okay. It's 1986. Uh, we were living in Austin at the time and my mom would take us to a Unitarian church that had Sunday school. Cool. And it was a super pretty church. It was next to a park and there was a little cul-de-sac in the back of the church where all the parents would leave their kids to wait for a school bus. They would take them to Sunday school down the street. Also, can we just pause to recognize what a wild time the eighties were to be a kid? Like what you're just leaving. Also the Unitarian Universalist, that's a weird niche moment too, but also the eighties were weird. Well, also you're just leaving a bunch of like six, seven, eight year olds 
on a street curb with no adult supervision. Right. Like, and we were like promised everything was going to be so chill, but not, none of, nothing was ever chill. Well, also it was just like, no shit. Like all these kids are getting kidnapped and shit because in the eighties was just like, okay, bye. Hope you have a great day on your bike out in the middle of nowhere for hours with no one watching you. Anyway, anyway. Oh my God. Do you remember those PSAs where it'd be like, it's 10 PM. Do you know where your child is? And I would be like, <laughs> they're, like, like they're like, I'm four years old. And I know this is weird. Like, they're like, we need to make you a should commercial. definitely know where your child is. Yeah. Like, they're like, yeah. Make a commercial to like help fucking parents figure it out. Anyway. So my sister and I hated Sunday school. And when I asked her recently why she hated it, it was essentially for the same reason I did because it was V creepy that they kept telling us that Jesus loved us and was our savior. For me, I was like, I've never even met anyone named Jesus, much less formed a bond with him. Like, you're like, like, his name is Jesus and he's chill as fuck, but he works down the street. He's yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was like, Jesus, I don't know that guy. And also because one time, this is a true fucking story. One time I'm like six years old. I'm at Sunday school and I'm like cutting out a picture of a baby in the manger or whatever the fuck. And this guy sits down next to me. Who's like one of the, um, Sunday school teacher guys. And he tells me, He's like that he knew me and he knew my family from skiing and he wouldn't stop insisting that he knew me. Even when I was like, bruh, never happened, never been skiing. Like, stop. This is weird. Like, and honestly, still this to this day, I still find like dudes, religious dudes, sus as fuck. And the concept of Jesus is also weird AF. Obviously, well, so. I, I, pause real quick. I, cause the thing about Jesus, straight folk, but especially Jesus, dudes, like, I don't think it's, Christianity in general, or even like the words of Christ or the life of the gospel or the story of Christ or like the character of Christ. Right. But it's what it's become. And it's the yeah. fact that it's like patriarchal and it oh privileges them, but also even like white supremacist American Christianity is its own fucking brand. So yes. I just want to say that before we get totally. through. Yeah. But like dudes like that, who are, of course you're fucking into it. It's like, it looks like you, it talks like you, you're the head <laughs> right. of the house. Right. You make all the money. Oh, yeah. You, you make love. the fucking rules. Faggots aren't allowed. Right. Women are second class. Right. Ta-ching. Right. You know, Loves and you it. can back it all out of your taxes and cheat on your wife and your mistress can get an abortion. Right. You, you get to go to church on Sunday. Right. Exactly. So Sorry, I just had to let that out. No. Yes. Preach. So one Sunday, my mom drops us off at the curb, goes inside for the church service. And my sister and I are waiting for the little bus with all the other kids. And she looks at me and she goes, do you want to just go to the park? And I fuck was yeah. like, fuck yeah, I do. So we just like yeah. slowly walked away from the group and played in the park the whole hour, however long it was. And when we saw the school bus pull up to drop the kids back off, we just ran to join, fuck yes. join the group. Oh my God. I love this story. That's how I <laughs> yeah. did drugs. Yeah. I used to go to. Cause like we used to go to church like four times a week. Cause I was like a preacher's kid, like five yeah. times a week, sometimes sure. always every all, day, all the time. Um, but I would smoke weed. I started smoking weed at church. The first time I did Coke was at church. What? Yes. I was in seventh grade and I did Coke at church in the bathroom, but I would do that shit. Cause my mom would be like, okay. Cause we were allowed to go to church, but like, you know, or like hang out with church people. So I'd be like, okay, I'm going to go to like this Bible study focus group on like the, you know, first book of Timothy, whatever, and then go smoke weed. Oh my God. You like, this is tacos. 
this is like the son of a preacher man. Like the first time I fingered a girl was in church. Oh my God. Everything about this is amazing. The first time I hang out with a, another boy naked and got boners was at church camp. Oh, this is so the best. Like, this is why I like checked in earlier. Cause I'm like, girl of, of church drama. It goes deep here, girl. Yeah, it goes deep. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. Go. So anyway, we just kept doing this where like, and we just didn't say shit, you know, like secretly ditching Sunday school for maybe three weeks or four weeks before my mom noticed that every week the other kids were coming back with their like crafted Jesus paper plates or whatever. And we were just like covered in park dust (laughs) and she finally put it together. But luckily, since my mom was pretty chill about religion, she was just like, look, if you don't want to go, I'm not going to make you go. And then we never went to church again. (laughs) Great. But in terms of my trauma-rama, Christianity, as I'm sure everyone knows, is the dominant religion in our country. It's a major cultural force in American identity. Wait, what? Yeah. Did you Wait, know? In God We Trust printed on our fucking money. Yeah. And the whole okay. concept of the city on a hill, the puritanical right. ideologies that involved. The fucking spirit- Mayflower. Yeah. All the, yeah. the whole fucking history that was like, oh, we're going to be spiritually perfect. And simultaneously like commit the genocide of native americans yeah yeah exactly i mean but that's the whole thing about like you know the mission system in california oh my god i'm gonna talk about it okay great yeah but like yes yes so it's like obviously some fucking spiritual trauma rama and even though that was some 17th century shit we're not over that in this country and in fact as a country we're no. still very much plagued by the blind so entitlement of Christianity as an entity. Exactly. So for one, the belief that Christianity does no harm because it's rooted in the teaching of Jesus. False. Bullshit. Wrong. Just a wee little history. For Did you want to say something? No, I, I'm going to let you talk because I'm just going to keep shoring up everything you say. But just imagine me in my head saying fuck yes to everything you say. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So... For anyone who doesn't know, and a review for anyone who does, there have been countless horrific acts of rape and murder committed in the name of Jesus, not because Jesus was a dick, but because Christianity is full of assholes who could give two shits about who Jesus was. Okay, wait, I I do have something to say. Okay, jump in. So I've been running. Okay, so I I run every day. And there's a group of, and I think it's because it's Pride Month, but there's a group of zealous Christians who have been gathering and screaming on Market Street. And they the guy was on a microphone yesterday, two days ago, and he was like, the devil and the government have put a microchip into your body because oh, of Lord. the vaccine da, 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 and all this Jesus shit. So I lost my mind because yeah. I had microdosed and I was running <laughs> and I was listening to a pride disco playlist and I lost my shit. And I was like, Jesus was a socialist faggot queer, you fucking idiot. What the fuck? And I like lost my shit and made a scene. Great. And then I went to Mars Vintage in Berkeley and I got off the fucking BART and I got up onto the platform. Same guy. No. Same group. And I started screaming at them again. Ah. And I was on mushrooms again. That's my story. <laughs> okay, keep talking. Well, that's exactly what I was going to say. It's like Jesus was black. Jesus was a socialist. Jesus told people to give all their money and possessions away. Jesus hung out with sex workers, right? So like, and yet there's the Spanish Inquisition, which is one of the most brutal, sadistic, violent chapters in history that, by the way, didn't only happen in Spain. It was happening all over Europe. But to be more current, there was this the Inquisition. Huge- what the fuck? Yeah, they're like, oh, by Inquisition, we just mean we're going to torture the fuck out of everyone in like the most heinous and barbaric ways. So there was a huge story in the news this week about a mass grave of Native American children that they found at a Catholic mission in Canada. 
And this is a quote from the article I read, quote, many children were physically and sexually abused at the schools and up to 6,000, 6,000 died at schools in Canada, according to government officials. Reports Friday of a mass grave containing the remains of 215 children found on the site of Canada's former Kamloops Indian residential school are a stark reminder of the dark history, end quote. And if yeah, you th- what the fuck? Yeah. And like this was happening, uh, you know, at all the missions in the U.S. as well. So and if you don't believe that you need to do your homework. So here's an actual quote from one of the Roman Catholic bishops leading a residential school. His name was. Uh, vital Justin Grandin. So um, a residential school also known as a mission. He literally spoke these fucking words when describing the goal of the school quote, we instill in them a profound distaste for the native life so that they will be humiliated when reminded of their origin. When they graduate from our institutions, the children have lost everything native except their blood. So yeah, just like pure evil. And of course, also in the news the other day, maybe you heard, maybe you didn't, was that Pope Francis created actual laws to punish priests who molest slash rape children and adults. So obviously there's that legacy of trauma and Catholicism around sexual abuse. And it's great that the church is finally addressing that and taking accountability on some level. But, and this brings me to my personal trauma around the church, that same penal code update that is now (laughs) that same penile But also they cut off the skin of the dick, which I feel like non sequitur. No, wait, non, non relative. But like I got my dick skin cut off as a child in the name of Jesus. And it makes no fucking sense. And I want that dick skin back. Bring it back. Yes. Yeah. So that penal code update. Penal. (laughs) Penile. (laughs) That is now making it so that priests who are found to have committed wrongful sexual acts are defrocked, which is the most severe punishment in the church. Simultaneously. Yeah. Take that. Like frock less, my friend. Frock me sister. Simultaneously toughened the code around the penal code around ordaining women as priests. So now both the woman attempting to be ordained and the cleric attempting to do the ordaining of the woman are immediately excommunicated and the cleric is defrocked, which means anti-witch. Yeah. With well, anti-woman within the Catholic church, the punishment for raping a child is the same as the punishment for attempting to ordain a woman as a priest. So herein lies the trauma rama, right? You have a legacy of men who are sexual predators running this sham of a spiritual institution. And also, by the Mm -hmm. way, raping and impregnating nuns who are then shamed and cast out of the church to the point that it is estimated that the Catholic church had paid $1 billion on sex abuse cases by 2002. So who knows what that figure is now? It's probably like at least quadrupled. I don't know. In 2007 alone, Roman Catholics spent $615 million on sex abuse cases in one year. So these cases are worldwide. They're not dependent on race. They're not dependent on culture. They're not dependent on nations. But all these cases of sexual abuse do have a single common thread within the church. And that is that the overwhelming majority of perpetrators are men. And yet, what is the? Do you, do you get a number on that? Because I'm sure I'm willing to wager that it's in the 90 percentile, right? Yeah, like I, yeah, yeah, for sure. And yet, the church believes that ordaining women is not only on par with child rape in terms of spiritual offense. It also, 
in its fucking arrogance is still unwilling to look the problem in the face. And the problem is the patriarchy. And the problem Mm. is that the church isn't just an extension of the patriarchy. The church Mm. is the patriarchy. And I mean that quite literally. It was how the patriarchy was born. Judeo-Christianity was how the patriarchy, as we know it, came into being, because before that, you had thousands and thousands of years of matriarchies, of paganism, of polytheism, even a combination, Mm. you know, like of all three of these. But then this new religion came along that taught that there was only one God, Yahweh, and that this God was a Mm. fucking dude with a dick and not that, but its sacred texts explain that humans had been kicked out of paradise because of the sexuality of a woman. So not just that men are the fucking best and most supreme and spiritually superior, but that women are low key evil, lack value. And you should all want sons because women won't carry on the family name and legacy. They'll just be bought and sold like chattel. Mm. But the thing is, this was actually super revolutionary at the time. It's the water we swim in now. So we don't even realize the absurdity of saying that God is the creator. And then saying that God made us in his image when literally women are the creators and givers of life. So if we Mm. were made in God's image, obviously God would be a woman. But at the time, this kind of rhetoric that there was one God and that he was a man was blasphemous and went against thousands of years of spiritual belief. Mm. So what has happened to the psyches of women as a result of Judeo-Christianity, which was the first religion to introduce this concept of misogyny and spirituality, but of course, wouldn't be the last, like even Buddhism has a legacy of misogyny and most variations of Buddhism, like women can't be ordained at all. And others, the most senior nun who's like been doing her shit for years is considered entirely subordinate to a monk who's held his position for just one day. So it's everywhere. But all that said, I'm going to talk about Christianity in particular, because as a Texas born woman in, you know, in fucking us, that's a religion that informed my life and the, and the culture that I live in. So back to my question, what has happened to the psyches of women who for thousands of years have been told that in the true version of spirituality, there is no powerful woman. God is a man. God has a child. That child is a man. All the major players in the Bible, all the protagonists, men, Interestingly enough, and I only know this because my grandmother was a Pentecostal, and I'll get to that later, but El Shaddai, or one of the things about the actual Bible, like actual Yahweh, the gender of God, God is never gendered. Oh, right, right. In the original, we don't, yeah. No, no, not at all. I mean, like, never in the Hebrew text or ever in the Bible is God ever actually gendered. The only time that God is gendered at all is when uh, Christ is referring to them as Abba or God, Father, mm-hmm. Father God. But that a lot of people who actually an- analyze that text, a lot of like, you know, academics, they say that that even could be a gender neutral term. Oh, but anyway, interesting. Just, just so you know, it's well, it, it also just shows the role that religion plays in the like, you know, they they're the ones who have a fucking corner on the market of like telling people what the Bible says, but it's like, no, actually the text itself is like really sacred and weird and like mystical, you yeah. know, and, but God is never actually, but El Shaddai is the Hebrew name of God, one of the names of Yahweh. And it actually means many breasted one. So the one <gasps> Shut up. I won't. It means many, many breasts. Oh my so, God. Yeah. Okay, so it even yeah, has so... a female identity. So I'm just putting so... that out. Yes. Okay. And I've actually heard that 
a lot of the interpretations of the Bible have been switcheroo. Like for example, um, I think there's a quote, there's like a passage about like, we have, um, dominion over all of the animals on the planet or something like that. Like we are, we can do whatever we want with them, but actually if you look at the original text, it says something like, um, we are responsible for taking care of them or something like that. Right. Um, Totally. Well, I mean, and that's the whole thing. I, I mean, so many fucking things that are wrong with, you know, the current modern interpretation of the Bible and Christianity. It's like ecological conservation is like, I don't understand how like you can't be a fucking communist eco warrior after reading the Bible. Like if you're anything Mm. but like fighting for the white rights of like oppressed people and like your fellow man and the planet, then I don't know what the fuck you read, but it wasn't the Bible. You know what I mean? Mm, interesting. Okay. So for at whatever point got like at some point, and I don't know actually what that point is, and maybe you do when, um, the interpret the general interpretation of the Bible became that God was male. I'm not sure at what point that happened. Right. Do you, as soon as men got, I mean, like, so the apostle Paul is the one who wrote the, the, uh, most of the new Testament. And he wrote that in prison while he was being, before he was executed. Um, and there's actually a lot of people who think that the apostle Paul was gay. Mm. Um, there's been a lot of theory around that, but there's a bunch of apocryphal books and books that haven't been cannot canonized, um, that were written by women. And in fact, even in like, um, uh, even in the Quran, the number one book or the number one character, the most met- mentioned named in the Quran is Miriam or the mother of Christ. So mm. Miriam, um, but just talking about the erasure of feminine, the, the feminine voice and the feminine narrative, because the gospel, even Jesus was found, the tomb was found to be empty on quote unquote Easter morning by Mary and Martha. And like, there would be no Jesus. There would be no Jesus story. There would be no resurrection without women. But women are just constantly erased from the right. whole fucking Well, right. Thing. So, right. So that's but, like- But, where, but the, the, where the history of where, where does it become a male religion? As soon as men took power, which is like, there's a, a great book called um, Burning, uh, excuse me, Caliban and the Witch. And it's about the emergence of just that, the, the Catholic church as like an anti-female. Um, so I would say it was sometime, you know, in like the 12th or 13th century, maybe. But I, I, that's just a rough estimate. Interesting. Ooh, that's so interesting. Okay. Yeah. So, but also, okay. But here's the other thing about the Bible is the story of, you know, Genesis of how we came to be and of Eve and Eden. All of that is super misogynistic. And, you know, again, this erasure, all of the major players, all the protagonists in the Bible are men with penises. But we do have this story about God raping a woman. Right. And her name is Mary. And she did not consent to being impregnated. But guess what? Mary loves that a man chose her future for her because she gets to carry this man's sacred seed. She has no boundaries. She has no voice. She's grateful for getting ghost raped. And, oh, yeah, she's both a virgin and a mother because women who have sex are whores. And that's the woman who serves as a spiritual role model to subconsciously subordinate silence and demean little girls the world over and has for, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years. Right. So as a result of this, what? Well, for starters, women who haven't done reclamation work over their 
sexual autonomy or just straight up neurotic about their sexuality. Because if you sleep with someone, you're a slut. And if you don't, you're a bitch, right? It's that classic story, but to whom, right? Who might think you're a slut? The guy you're sleeping with and who might think you're a bitch, the guy you're sleeping with. So everything about a mm. woman's sexuality starts to revolve around men and what men, right. the will, male gaze or the male perception. Right. So rather yeah. than really getting to know her sexuality and understand her body and create a deep intuitive connection with her desire and knowing when she wants to have sex and when she doesn't and what turns her on, all of that is lost to this fear of not pleasing men sexually because it means rejection from the social sphere right and as right we- well there's even laws still on the books in a lot of states where a male partner can have sex with a woman without yeah. consent exactly right if like you're if married. they're married yes yeah. whereas yeah. yeah which is to me how much does america hate a woman's body i mean talk to me about what's going on in texas talk to me right. about the fucking bible talk to me about this it's like women to be a woman right now anytime right in the in western world is like i just i love you and i'm sorry that it's like this thanks yeah and as we learned in a previous episode that we did with jess our reptilian brains tell us that the most important thing in the world to our survival is not being rejected and so since men are in these positions of power since sex is like we're like right inclusion in the group inclusion in the group is our number one thing yeah right so like we have as a survival tactic women have learned to um completely focus on male sexuality and it's a sexual trauma that happens to women before we've ever even had sex because essentially a woman's sexual psyche has been robbed of its autonomy right out of the gate. You send little girls to Sunday school, tell them these stories at three, four, five, six years old, and that's it. Men are supreme. Mary liked getting ghost raped. Eve was a slutty piece of shit. And of course, please put it on a, please put on a pretty dress. Do not talk, be seen, not heard. Right. Exactly. That's the thing. You can't be mad about it because good women model themselves off of no boundary, having unconditional love, giving likes a woman's place is in the home and quiet. Right. Exactly. And cooking something. So here's, here's the thing. Female sexuality is the root of spirituality in many ways because it is the source of life. So if anything is because we're all, we all came from a woman because we came out of vaginas, you know, that and yeah, so, so exactly. So if anything is God, it's the lust of women or of the feminine, because when things are functioning as they should, that is the source of creation. That's how life is created by the sexual desire of women. And that is exactly why. Uh, religion came in super fucking hot being like, we have to put a stop to this because we men want power and we are intrinsically and women are the ones who have the, right. Exactly. They recognize we are intrinsically less powerful beings than women because we cannot do the job of God. And that is to create life where there was no life before. So they fucking rebranded spirituality by using this one God, big dick bullshit. And they went straight to the root by reversing thousands of years of wisdom. The female sexuality was actually the most powerful thing in the universe and turned that completely on its head by saying, actually, female sexuality is the root of all evil. And it's the reason we're no longer in paradise. And I want to include here a little known fact. And that right. is that Eve. Yes. And that before all of this, before all this nonsense, matriarchies had buildings and a lot of these like cultures had these buildings that would today be called brothels, but back then were called temples. 
And right. women live there, women who would today be called hookers or prostitutes by many, but back then were called demigoddesses. Right. And men would come worship these women with sexual acts that were considered spiritual because interacting with a woman's sexuality was seen as spiritually transcendental. And the men would leave these women gifts of money, food, and flowers the same way that many today leave these kinds of gifts at altars. Bring it back. And this was a form of worship and humility to these women for being the creators of life on this earth. And these buildings, these temples were built with images of snakes because the snake was the symbol of feminine sexuality and power because it was a transformational being constantly shedding and becoming a more powerful version of itself. Wow. And it's no fucking coincidence that a snake was used as the symbol of Satan in the Bible. We don't pick up on it as <gasps> readers today because we don't have these temples everywhere. But back then it was super yeah. obvious what was happening. This was the patriarchy taking on the entire truth of the culture that women were not just powerful, but were spiritually superior in their ability to create life and turning that completely on its head to women are only slightly better than farm animals and need to be put in their place because they're evil and dangerous and the root of all suffering and deserving of rape and violence hit your wife fuck you i chills remy and i just want to juxtapose that with a figure like kali who is the great hindu goddess of time creation destruction and power like meanwhile we're over here with fucking weak ass can't even figure out a place to have her baby has to have him in a fucking barn mary while Kali is out there literally beheading evildoers with her forearms literally slaying like a fucking queen literally slaying holding up bloody ass heads being like if you fuck with the innocent i am fucking coming for you because i'm the goddamn motherfucking mother of the universe and i do not put up with any bullshit not that india doesn't have major issues with misogyny and sexism you know because mm. at this point like the patriarchy has run amok for so long that it's like a cancer that's infected pretty much every culture except maybe you know some tucked away tribal cultures mm -hmm. anyway i like so many women have adopted feminism as a way to navigate this world of patriarchy which is still very much alive and thriving evidenced by among umpteen million other things this recent news from pope francis essentially making it a profound evil within the church to give women any kind of spiritual authority. And I'm, right. I'm not going to go too deep on my healing journey with this because I'm still in the middle of it. And because I know Chelsea has some incredible healing stories to talk about, but I will say, I think feminism in its early manifestations was a trauma response to a worldwide culture of betrayal. Like the patriarchy is a culture mm. of betrayal where the people who wow. are meant to be your partners and protectors and lovers see you as intrinsically less valuable, as disposable, as evil, with less to offer the world and as a walking opportunity for exploitation, especially, mm. but, but not limited to sexual exploitation. And it's depressing. Mm. And it's made me feel deeply disconnected and distrustful of straight men, which by the way, it's no coincidence. The only time I've been in love has been with a gay man because it was one of the only relationships I've had with a man where I felt like he actually saw me as a human and not as a source for sex that he could take advantage of. Not that all straight men do that. And I want to be clear, but mm. I have encountered so many men who have dehumanized me in that way and who have been conditioned by our culture and by Christianity to and do encouraged that. to do that. I mean, yeah, like right. that's literally like, yeah, 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. That it, it, it is scary for me to make myself vulnerable to men, knowing that they've been so deeply conditioned to see me as less human and less important than they are. So that's my trauma Ram, and I'm still in the thick of working through it with both my therapists because I have two now. <laughs> oh, ding dong. Ding dong. Yeah. You ding gotta have a little dong. ding and a little dong. Do it. I know. No, you're doing it and you're doing that work. And I think that like, thank you for doing that work, Remy. And I'm here for you. And like, I'm going to hold your hand, but I'm going to hold everyone's hand. Cause this is like, we're just fellow, you know, cosmonauts, you know, spiritual beings in these human bodies. In a fucking material world. But like, as a woman, I feel like the weight of that is so different for you than it is for me. Not that I, you know, my maleness, but also just like, I live in a world as a queer person that was not built for me, you know, or intended Mm. for me to survive or live in. And like, similarly, like a woman, like this world is not a woman's world. This is a fucking man's world right now. Yeah. It hasn't always been that way. It doesn't have to be that way, but that's what it is right now. And it you literally know. used to not at all be that way. And there's, and you know, there's a lot of, memory of it. there's a lot of interesting social science right now being done around what would it have looked like, right? Had women yeah. maintained, especially so in like pre-abolition of the common spaces. So before uh, capitalism came to Europe or the West, the we- Western history was a matrilineal history. It's a story of matriarchy. Right. and witchery like you were speaking to um and like literally like western history like philosophically religiously all of these things it is a story of the taking of power from women or the feminine by men Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. that literally surmises western history um so i just wanted to bring that in yeah thank you totally um yeah, trauma, 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 ding dong. So I think I, I like I, as some of y'all know, um, I was raised. My dad was a preacher, and my mother was also a minister. Um, <clears throat> and I grew up Pentecostal, so I grew up in the Assemblies of God, which has a really um, intense anti-black, anti-gay, um, oh. really wild history. There, I didn't know that. Yeah, and my um, maternal grandparents were actually like founding members, and my dad's dad was a member of Amy Simple McPherson's Foursquare Church, and also deeply involved. And both of my grandparents went to Bible school, and I was just really steeped in that. So, like as a queer kid growing up, um, I have a lot, you know, of all of this, and it's still so embedded in me. So thank you for sharing what you shared. And also just know that like, you're not alone. Thank We're you. all, I mean, I'm also on a healing journey. And I think that anyone growing up in the U S the same way that, you know, we are racist and we are taught to be racist. We are taught to hate women and, the, you know, the way in which we're taught to hate women is based on this religion that doesn't actually in any way, uh, relate the text that it's based on. So it's just like all of these contradictions. It's just like living in this country and it's fucking crazy making, you know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. I can't even begin to, um, yeah, understand that. But like I was raised by a narcissistic minister, like who was literally a narcissist and deeply embedded legacy of like Pentecostalism. So and I have a twin who's queer, but like, I think being raised as like a preacher's kid, like some, one of the interesting things about American Pentecostalism is it's very showy. So it's like, mm. you drive a Cadillac, you're in a suit, you have all the makeup. Oh. Like, Tammy Faye Baker, she was Pentecostal. Oh. She was a of God. Um, 
Dolly Parton's aesthetic is actually very Pentecostal, but like, I don't know if you know, like the TBN channel, like the Jesus channel, where those women have these like huge bouffant wigs and like crazy drag queen makeup. And they're like crying and being like, Jesus, call the number on your screen right now and I'll send you a million (laughs) dollars or whatever. And you're like, what the fuck? That's how I was raised. So that's like the flavor of religion that I was fucking raised. But like also knowing how that like American exceptionalism and white supremacy and how the fucking pilgrims that landed on Plymouth fucking rock, like how fucking deep that goes in the Mm. West and like maleness and like how the dominant male narrative like erases the rights of women and like this, the presence of queers. Right. And like justifies slavery. I don't fucking understand. Um, But there's just a lot of trauma there for me. Um, being a child. And I think that like one of the things I was not as in touch with this, but the other day I accessed this pain because mm-hmm. I was telling a story about my grandmother who was Pentecostal. Um, she's also the first person who I heard use the N word. Mm. Um, but she was also like a powerful woman of God. And I don't know really how to articulate that other than saying she had an energy and she was in touch being raised Pentecostal. I will say like, there's a lot of fear and hate and shit. Um, and like the story around the rapture, like Jesus is going to come in the middle of the night and you better be like right with God. Otherwise you're going to get left behind. All right. that shit. That's fucking terrifying. And children yeah. should not be fucking taught that. Right? So anxiety producing. I know, but I literally went into my first panic attack was after learning about or watching. There's a movie that was released in 1991 called the rapture. And I was like all of like five years old and I watched this fucking movie and I started having chronic panic attacks at night. Night terrors is what they called them. Um, And instead of when I went to my mom in the throes of a night terror, screaming about this potential zombie Jesus coming and stealing me from my bed at night. Oh my um, instead of telling me, no, that's okay. I'm sorry. That is a scary story that you heard. She encouraged me to be afraid, more <gasps> afraid. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I have a lot of fucking pain and a yeah. lot of torture. And like, I, you know, I suffer from chronic anxiety and depression. Um, I'm not, I, you know, I think one of the things about becoming an adult is like stopping to stopping blaming other people for your unhappiness or your dysfunction in a way like taking responsibility for my trauma you know um so I don't want to blame it all on that but I will say that did me a lot of harm as a child and I was I was put in touch with that the other day telling a story about my grandmother and I didn't realize how in my body you know how the body remembers trauma and stores trauma I didn't realize how stored it was in my body Mm. and like I had this wave and all of a sudden I was a child and I was like being you know forced to believe in this like evil uh vengeful all-seeing god that I just knew in my soul not to be this truth I remember being traumatized by that because I was like, there's no way that that matches the actual ineffable beauty and energy of this universe. Right. But to go back to one of the things of, so that was my trauma, I think was like, not that like there was a spiritual being or a cosmological force greater or more mysterious than I could comprehend, but that the one, the version that I was given was wrong. And that's my fucking anger because I was lied to about Mm. the fucking true nature of this beautiful, all-encompassing, unknowable, unfathomable thing. And I was given the shittiest version of it, Mm. you know? Yeah. And that pisses me the fuck off. 
Yeah. But I will say being raised Pentecostal is fun because we do these things like speaking in tongues, lots of <laughs> yeah. faith healing. Do you guys do fall. the snakes? Yeah, girl, you guys- dancing. I mean, so not my re- not my denomination that I was raised, but a very closely related denomination. Okay. Okay. But like, so I mean that those are Pentecostals, the people with the snake healing, because they're those are in the book of Acts. There's a passage that talks about how true believers will be able to take up serpents and not not die from their bite. Jeez. It's like a sign of the infilling of the Holy Spirit or whatever. But I will say the Holy Spirit fucking exists. And it's not necessarily the Holy Spirit of Yahweh or the ghost of Jesus or something, but there is an un, un like we cannot articulate or understand this weird fucking thing, right? This thing called God or whatever, this thing, yeah. this magical force. Um, but the Holy Spirit, one thing that I was taught, and I think that it's still sometimes it catches me. And sometimes I'll be like, I have like this intuition. There's a lot of really good takeaways, like my intuition, my empathy, um, my love for like everyone, like all of those things were also learned. Um, so I can't really say it's all terrible, right? But one of the things, <laughs> so some of the research, so that's my personal stuff, but like some of the research I've done, um, and I just want to bring out, I'm not a psychologist um, yet, but like the research that I have done around this, um, there's some terms that I wanted to introduce, if that's cool. Yes, um, One of, yeah. So one of them is, um, it's called spiritual bypass. Mm, oh my God, or all day bypass. long. Yeah. So it's a tendency to use spiritual ideas or practices to sidestep or avoid, avoid facing unresolved emotional issues, psychological wounds, and unfinished developmental attacks, i.e. trauma. And you see that all the fucking time in like woo-woo spiritual groups where yeah, they're like, like love crystals. and light, love and light. Yeah. yeah. Right, 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 right. And it's like, no, bitch, you're a fucking white supremacist no, yoga it's like bitch. Darkness and pain. Darkness and right. pain sometimes right. though. So spiritual bypass is huge. And people, and that's like why you see sometimes like this whole anti-vax and like weird Jesus collaboration. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Conspirituality. Like, yeah, yeah. Conspirituality. That's that has a long history in this country. So um, something to be aware of there. Uh, but like religious trauma syndrome is actually a thing. So RTS for short. Oh. But um, yeah, so it's uh, something people, social scientists, psychologists mainly talk about. It's a result um, from authoritarian religion or faith communities. Um, primarily the trauma is around like the skewed views of sex, discipline, emotional mm-hmm. regulation, emotional dysregulation, those relationships, um, the self-expression, the limitations there. Do um, you remember also- that episode in Sex and the City where Miranda yeah. is um, sleeping with some dude and every time he comes, he goes, you fucking bitch, you fucking whore. Do you remember that? Fuck. And no, then but I, I think it's the same episode where he would always have to take a shower after sleeping with her because he w- was raised Catholic. Oh, I, I fucked. So I have a, a neighbor who's was raised Muslim, but is not Muslim. Mm. Um, but when, after we would fuck, they would have to like jump in the shower. Yeah, dude. <laughs> I don't feel dirty. Trauma. I don't yeah. have that trauma. You I'm love like, it. Yeah. I'm like, let's, um, you're like, yeah, it's like a moisturizer. Just, just, yeah. I'm like, can you, f- can you shit the cum from your ass onto my face, please? Cause I'm going <laughs> to use that as like an anti eye treatment thing. Um, it's anti acne, anti aging. And I'm like, I'm trying to get you pregnant, daddy. My sex life is so not that. So, anyway, I like myself too much. I've healed too much. 
much. Yeah. Um, you don't who, I was talking to someone the other day about, um, yeah, we were talking about like our childhood self and like this image of ourselves. And I was like, I hope they're trans and healing. Like that's my prayer for myself in the future, right? Like if I could go back. But anyway, um, just heal, girl. Just heal. Is Be thing. somewhere on that path to healing and hopefully trans, but I'm not, but I wish I was kind of, anyway. Um, but yeah, religious trauma syndrome. Um, uh, but like, I think that like anyone who was raised in a religious environment can speak to the, this presence of like toxic, toxicity, right? And religion. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this trauma, like I was talking about, it's like the same way that trauma manifests from like sexual violence or war. Um, we're talking about like brainwashing, right? The ways in which these doctrines are taught over and over and over with consequences that are eternal and terrifying. Like what is worse than burning in hell forever? Right. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. I can't imagine a fucking thing worse than that. Right. Yeah. And like, like you were speaking to the amount of terror that has been happened, you know, in the world because of that. Yeah. Um, one of the things though, that like uh, around like um, <clears throat> trauma and being a trauma survivor, you can develop psychiatric difficulty, like D- PTSD, chronic depression. I definitely credit my chronic um, anxiety and depression to my religious trauma, my RTS, but I also have PTSD as a result of that. Mm-hmm. Um <clears throat> So once some of the healing that I've done, um, I found a lovely little website called traumarecovery.ca for anyone out there who wants to join me on the healing journey. Um, but I found like this lovely little um, snippet there that I wanted to share with everyone. Um, <clears throat> and it's talking about like the world's wisdom traditions have developed many ways to mend their separation that occurs in every human life when we face the inescapable reality of suffering. Great religious and secular thinkers have taught us that through the ages, how to build community, like human community, right? Um, The original meaning of religion was to gather and bind into community, right? Mm -hmm. So that's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. And then even though our religious heritage may have compromised their teachings, the original intention of religion was to support our search for purpose and meaning. And that is fucking beautiful. And you see that with paganism for sure. Right. Right. And I mean, there's so many ways, like even Christianity, like you can apply that gospel and those texts, you can go back, you can find those apocryphal gospels, the the female gospels that were erased, you know, some Mm -hmm. of them will never know because they were burned, but some of them you can, there's some whispers, right? So there in anything you can find the beauty. Um, And I think that all genuine spiritual practice is like based on the golden rule or like a variation of that. And that is good medicine for everyone, right? Mm -hmm. Like to do, to like love each other. Like, I don't give a fuck who's the one telling you that if it's good medicine, it's good medicine, right? Mm -hmm. So you can like rub off the fucking shitty um, label that they, someone put onto it. But if it looks good on you, girl, wear it, you know? (laughs) Strut. That's my truth. But like, there's also like post-cult trauma or like Mm. post-cult syndrome. Um, So there's like a lot of uh, religious trauma syndromes out there. Um, But there, do you want to hear some of the symptoms that could come out of that? Yes. So like there's cognitive symptoms, um, confusion, poor critical thinking ability, negative Mm. beliefs, um, believing that you're not able or worth anything. Um, Mm. Black and white, black and white thinking, Mm, perfectionism, difficulty with decision making, 
Um, there's emotion. So I suffer from all of this obviously, but, um, there's also emotional, so like depression, anxiety, anger, grief, loneliness, difficulty Mm -hmm. with pleasure or feeling worthy of pleasure is something Mm -hmm. that I struggle with in my body. And as a queer person, yeah, Um, women too, that's a huge one. And like, for example, I don't go home for Christmas still. And people don't realize that like, there's this like whole family rupture, um, all of my friends, for example, growing up are like religious bigots now. Yeah. Um, so there's like the loss of that, the social network, socially awkward, which I'm not, thank God. Sexual difficulty, which I don't have. Thank you, fucking goddess. But I can um, understand that for sure. sure. Well, yeah. you're told your whole life. Like, for example, the first time that I got caught jacking off, I was told I was going to hell. Right. Totally. And then the first time I said that I was gay, I was told that God was going to punish me by giving me AIDS and I was going to hell. Right. So it's like that trauma is not that lives in my body still like that's not going away. But I can definitely be like, that's not true. I don't believe that. And Mm -hmm. I also don't I forgive and I have compassion for people who are so scared of me and so scared of their own homosexuality or whatever inside of them but they have to tell people shit like that right because like that doesn't signal to me oh look at this well-adjusted spiritual healthy being that signals to me oh no i feel bad for you you're scared Mm. like you have not like come into the fullness of who you are and like you're not allowing yourself to live as a fully realized person you're limiting yourself you're limiting yourself with your fucking beliefs and you're going to be you know, taking away the right of women to get abortions when they've been raped. And yeah. like, what the fuck? Is what wrong the with fuck? You? That is not about me. That is about you. And that is about your soul. And if you believe in fucking Jesus, I'm going to fucking pray for your ass because you're the fucking one who, if anyone deserves to go to hell, it's you. Right. Because I think that's the most insidious thing. It's like not take, I don't think it's a belief in Christ. I don't think it's a belief in the gospel of Christ, love one another as thyself. I believe that it's the misrepresentation of that to privilege white men over everybody else. That's the fucking sin. And sorry, I just really touched into that, but like, that's what I feel like. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So that's where we're at. Absolutely. Right. Right. But like, yeah, you got to stop that cycle. Yes. Can I just say really quick? I think it's so beautiful how your experience in this, um, you know, growing up in this church as traumatizing as it was, has given you the information you need to have compassion for these religious bigots and religious homophobes. And I just think that's so beautiful. Like what a great way to alchemize Mm -hmm. that trauma into like understanding and love for people who would do you harm. Thank you. Thank you so much. But I honestly, I have to credit women of color and um, even like Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. Like I learned that as a child and I remember looking at that as a queer person and looking at the struggle of community of color and looking at their interpretation of the gospel and Jesus is giving me hope, right? So I think Mm. it's Reverend King who had this great quote and it's I remember hearing it as a child and when you're speaking to this alchemical thing, like taking that and turning it in, they're the ones who inspired me. Um, And it's this thing like I've chosen love because hate is too big a burden for me to bear because like that anger and that hate is only going to like make me unable to like do the fight and do the work and bring other people into light. Right. And that's exactly where they want you. They want you scared. They want you under a table. They want you paying tithes 
and like submitting to your fucking local white man in power. They do not want you supporting each other. They do not want you sharing information. They do not want like networks, robust networks of queers and women and people helping people. You know, they want to monetize and control all of that. And what's the most easy way to do that? A religion, slap a fucking religious label on it. Mm. So it's like to see people of color, communities of color, in, you know, in this country that was built by slavery, the ways in which they responded with not only dignity and hope, but also perseverance um, inspired me as a queer person to say, okay, I don't have to choose hate. Because if you, if you meet hate with hate, the, it only begets more hate, right? The only way to break a cycle of hate, especially in the spiritual realm, is love. Mm. And that's the only fucking thing. That's what life is. And that's the teaching of Christ is like love. Right. Above all of these things, I have brought you love. And I think that's where I'm going to leave. Thank you, Jonathan. Beautiful. Yeah, that was really you. powerful. That was really powerful. And I, um, it's so funny, Chelsea, that you made this, um, the suggestion for this topic because... <laughs> The way that you and I met, I'll tell the people the way that you and I met, Yeah, we met in Phoenix because Ama, and if you're in like the woo-woo spiritual community, you probably heard of Ama, the hugging guru. She's this like guru who goes around and people will wait forever, like forever. I'm talking like 20 hours. They'll wait in line for a hug right. from Ama. For like and- a toenail. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like supposed to be so powerful to have. And so Ama was coming to Phoenix. And so I showed up to. I've seen those flyers around at like my hippie grocery stores. Okay. Well, I wonder who it is because (laughs) Chelsea and I waited for hours and hours and hours to hug Ama. And then um, (laughs) it wasn't Ama. Chelsea knew while we were there, but I didn't know until I posted it on Facebook, like a picture of me that my friend took hugging Ama. And oh my someone, God, you someone, are... <laughs> someone commented and was like, that's not Ama. Oh my God. It's <laughs> ah, like a movie. I love that. Yeah. So that is how Chelsea and I met. So it's perfect that this was uh, your recommendation as a topic. Um, but also you... a listener, fucking badass. Yeah. Also your listener. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But, but so I, so the, what was so cool about when you emailed us was that you suggested, um, that we watch Kumari and Kumari is a, is a documentary about this guy who is just sort of like fed up with gurus and thinks they're all full of shit. Um, and that it's all just bullshit. And so he just is like, I want to see if I can just become a guru. And so he does. And he creates this false identity and this, and this is all. Didn't he do that out in your neck of the woods, boo? Yeah, he did it in Arizona. And I think in Phoenix and like Tucson, he was kind of like back and forth, but, um, anyway, he he does it. And he goes on this whole journey where he gets followers and everyone believes him. And they think he's like this magician basically this like spiritual magician and magician. And, and then turns out that he at the end he reveals that like this was all fake but he goes on this spirit he has a spiritual arc where he starts out being really cynical and then he ends realizing that like he's made the deepest connections of his life he like um he and that he like in some way did embody this like spiritual power 
um, and this like spiritual tenderness that he wouldn't have otherwise. So it's anyway, it's really interesting, but, um, I'll start there at Chelsea and you can take the reins because what I didn't know until you and I like sat down to chat about this was that you actually were part of that community kind of. Yeah. So, um, what? the way that Chelsea. it all, <laughs> yeah, so wild. Um, <laughs> the way that it all kind of came together is I was, uh, this was about 10, 11, 12 years ago. Now I was, um, part of a, a group that was doing group meditation and it wasn't a, a religious thing. It was, uh, based in sound healing and metaphysics and that's how it always um, starts. <laughs> right with, with the fucking singing bowls right <laughs> so I would go every week to this group and and we would meditate and um you know have the didgeridoo played over us while we laid on a you know solar charged amethyst Hot. mat Fuck like you yes. do you I know love and, this shit. I love this <laughs> and um then one week our um the the leader of the group announced or or he didn't really announce he just kind of checked in with us and said hey you know i've been contacted by a man who is a guru from india and he teaches this meditation technique and if you're open to it i would like to invite him in and have him uh, meditate with us and teach us this technique and we were all, you know, okay, yeah, sure. You know, that sounds interesting. Why not? Give it a shot. Right. And so the next, the next week, Kumari was there and he's in his full Indian guru outfit with his, um, his scarves and everything. And, and he had a posse with him of these white guys that told us that they were making a film about the guru's life. And the amazing transformations that happen when he teaches people this meditation. And um, if we were open to it, that, you know, they were going to film our meditation with him. And so all of us signed these film releases and uh, proceeded to meditate with this guy. And the experience itself was um, not, uh, it wasn't remarkable. You know, it was just kind of like, normal meditation, nothing crazy happened, but, um, I think some people got really, uh, I mean, kind of like, I feel like meditation is just crazy. Just being aware and like, hold, like just holding space for it and just observing existence is crazy. And I always trip. <laughs> like anytime yeah. I meditate, I'm like the fuck. I was, I'm like, I'm a being on a planet that's spinning through time and space. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Medita- <laughs> meditation is cool. But so essentially, Chelsea, what you're saying was like, you they kind of were like, oh, this massive transformation is going to happen because of this guru, and you were like, meh. Yeah, I was kind of like meh. I didn't. Um, do an interview or anything with him, but I did give them my email address for like future uh, events that they were going to have. And they were basically, they put us all on this listserv and I would get these emails every week or two where they were trying to get us to come up to these retreats and things that Kamari was doing in Phoenix. And, um, you know, I was just like a broke college or post-college kid at the time. And I never went up to do any of them. So that's kind of, the last I heard of Kumare for about six months. Mm. And, um, and then 
after that, I, uh, I got an email from the leader of that sound meditation group, letting us all know that if we hadn't heard already, Kumare was a fake. He was an actor and um, that we were all being filmed for a real film that they were making called Kumare, the true story of a fake guru. Wow. Yes. So, you know, understandably the leader of our meditation group was really embarrassed and hurt. Uh, He felt like, you know, not only had he made a mistake, but he had involved all of us into sort of getting like spiritually hoodwinked into, Mm. um, into being in this documentary where we were sort of made to look like gullible spiritual fools and um Mm. you know but i um after i watched the documentary i was uh i wasn't angry at all actually because it was um it was really beautiful to see actually the way this this uh person the actor had himself been exposed to true spiritual energy and how that had transformed him through the making of the film. So he went from like cynical Mm. to actually recognizing like we all have the potential to see the light in one another and to connect on that level. And that's what this is really all about. Oh, that's fucking beautiful. And also like, it was sort of like saying that we are all of God. So like, if you decide that you are a spiritual, powerful being and you want to share that, like you have that inside you and, right. and you and you can corrupt it, you know, and you can be perverse about it or you can just re- like really share with people. And it's like, it's up to you. And I felt like part of what's so interesting in that documentary is that at the end he reveals himself and to all of his like quote unquote followers and is like, this is just me. Like, I'm just a fucking dude from New Jersey. And some of the people are, are, you know, and rightfully so felt really betrayed and walked out and were pissed. And some of the people were like, wow, it's what you've been telling us all along, which is that we have this, we have beauty inside us and we can pursue it if that's what we want to do. So it was, it was a really interesting, um, it was a really interesting experience to watch but it was cool that you were a part of it Chelsea and also just like this whole message around like the bullshit that is spirituality sometimes is that people are just like I'm all powerful and I am so spiritual and do what I say and like luckily at the end he came clean with people but obviously a lot of people don't which actually is like you've had trauma Chelsea with the Hare Krishna um religion and I'm really curious and and it's so perfect like what you talked about and I am so excited that you want to share it about like that exact issue of people of smoke and mirrors around people in positions of power in religion do you want to talk about that yeah absolutely so um I I used to I sorry I used to live by the Hare Krishna temple in Venice and go there for food sometimes I went there once too yeah just putting that out there. Delicious food, right? Yeah. So well, good. I'm vegetarian. So I was like, fuck yeah, girl. So good. Okay. Yeah. So that's great. So that's how I got involved in the first place was I was <gasps> vegetarian at the time. What? I was living and going to going into uh, going to college in a town that just didn't have very many options for vegetarians. So if I didn't want to cook my own food, um, basically the Hare Krishna temple was where I went. And they also had these amazing 
Sunday evening meals that were like $3 and they were so good. So I started to go every week just to get this good food. And um, um, also because when I moved to that town, my mom actually told me about this restaurant. Well, it's a temple, but it has a restaurant within it. And she told me like, you know, they pray over the food and they put all this great energy into it. And then when you eat it, you just feel like blissful. It's amazing. And I was, you know, kind of skeptical about it, but I was like, yeah, I'll give it a shot. And, and sure enough, like you eat this food at this temple and you feel really good and happy afterwards. And um, so that kind Don't of. Don't they make the um, have a chips? Have a chips, those corn chips, they have love, light, and soy sauce as their ingredient list. Oh, do they? <laughs> yes, I didn't know they're that. like two ninety nine at all the hippie grocery stores. What? Have a chips with a bomb. So plug. Okay, they are really but, good. <laughs> but as their ingredients, it's like corn, soy, love, light, and they're bomb as <laughs> fuck, and you feel good afterwards. Little do you know, yeah. like the food is microdosed, and that's why you feel so fucking bomb. Yeah, and there's like yoni juices and shit. But yeah, <laughs> totally. So for me, I was raised um, outside of any religion. My parents were both pretty agnostic. My mom had her Buddhist phase, but I was pretty much raised with the belief that anyone who belongs to a religion or believes in God is an ignorant fool who's just seeking to, to explore, you know, there's this mystery of our creation and uh, they don't know. And so they're attributing it to this big dude in the sky. And I thought that, you know, what idiots. And that was Smart. sort of my, <laughs> that was my basis of religion heading into early adulthood. So, so when I had cynical. this experience, yeah, super cynical. And um, when I had this experience at the temple of like eating the, delicious food and then feeling totally blissed out afterwards I was kind of like huh maybe there's something here maybe energy that we put into our food um, affects us in some way so that sort of like started to crack the little eggshell for me and then um, you know anyone who's gone to these also groundbreaking um, right like what you put into your body has an impact. <laughs> right totally <laughs> right <laughs> Totally. Um, and it, it really jived with my beliefs around vegetarianism at the time, too. Like, what if all that uh, torture that animals being raised in these horrific conditions is somehow stored in their cells and then we take on that energy? When right. We eat it? But T.O., real quick, because I feel like one of the things, especially in the U.S. in a consumptive culture like this, we are taught that there is a cure for everything. Like that's like the foundational philosophical, you know, mindset that we have as capitalists is that there's something that could solve whatever problem you have. That one included is religion, right? But what makes religion yeah. so insidious is that it's like, of course we have questions about where we come from. Of course we have questions about where we're going. Of course we have questions about the mysteries of the universe. And the, the insidious piece of religion is that hidden behind all of these true valuable things are the people that are like inserting their fucking propaganda and bullshit you know mm. so i just want to i want yeah. i want to share compassion for you chelsea as somebody who came from an agnostic family who was seeking these really huge questions and found something good that had some poison hidden in it. yeah yeah totally thank you um so i guess anyone who's gone to eat at a Hare Krishna restaurant may have been 
may know what I mean by uh, you get approached by folks who are involved with the temple who want you to um, show up a little earlier on Sunday and come chant with us and uh, come meditate with us, you know, and um, being curious as I was, I started to go a little bit early. So before the Sunday meal, I would go and chant Hare Krishna with these folks and they and would again, inclusion um, in a group. It's like, who doesn't want to be in a group? Right. Absolutely. And then, you know, if you, I don't know if you've ever gone to one of these things, but it's, it's like a party. I mean, people like work themselves up into this like joyful fury oh, and yeah. dancing oh, yeah. and they're raising oh, yeah. their arms and it's, it's so exciting and happy and blissful. And you're just like, wow, yes. like this is great. And um, so, you know, I just, started to go around these folks more and more and um, eventually met a gentleman who was also into the Hare Krishna stuff. And um, he and I, I think we like slept together one time, just sort of, I won't go into the details, but like he misunderstood me about where he should ejaculate and I wound up getting pregnant. And so I had an abortion with this man. Whoa. He went on. Yeah. <laughs> he went on, even though I, while we were together, we dated briefly and I kind of tried to talk him out of the Hare Krishna thing. Cause I would, you know, had started to see through the smoke and mirrors and, and certain things about them really put me on guard. Like for example, um, all of the old men at the temple would, really come around and flirt with the young ladies quite a bit right. and it was it was sort Shocking. of seen as like, harm, that, like harmless you know yeah <laughs> and another thing was they would refer to anyone who wasn't involved in the Hare Krishna movement as karmis as in people who are still acquiring karma huh. and like I they just, were I exempt that from was really... acquiring karma but everyone else is still like fucking up except them Wow. Basically. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So this sort of like elitist attitude that they had and right. um, the, the very like um, the nature of this religion is to like spread it to other people any way you can is, you know, they're very evangelical. So I just, I didn't really agree with that. I thought, you know, if this is right for people, they'll find it on their own. And um, so I distanced myself, but this gentleman just, you know, after we separated, he got more and more involved until eventually he went on to become the leader of the temple. So I've gone back since then and enjoyed a Sunday meal with them and seen him sit up on the pulpit and give these religious talks all the while knowing right. that like, right. if, if I were to speak my truth about our history, you know, both abortion and sex outside of marriage, are right. strongly discouraged in their tradition. So that right. could really compromise his spiritual authority. And that that is so uh. similar. So as a child, so my dad was outed. My dad had a church. He had his own, he founded his own Assemblies of God, his own church. Um, and he was outed by the board because he had had 
many, many affairs with women in the church and his secretaries and like all of these women who were like involved in the organization. And so the board like ousted him. And so this person who I thought was like the head of God, you know, God's number one, like literally connected to God, all of a sudden I found out what fucking an affair was, you know, and I like found out that like sex and like all this shit. And I was like, wow. So it was like a huge learning thing for me, but I just, I have a lot of compassion for you, Charles, because I'm like hearing this and it's speaking to my experience too. Wow. Yeah. Um, that's crazy. So I guess um, the positive thing that came out of my involvement with the Hare Krishna is, was that when I was in the temple, sitting in front of the altar, chanting, I would start to get like full body chills and, you know, just the hairs on my arms standing up and really beautiful feelings inside myself that I, I I realized that, you know, this might not be it, like this one expression of spirituality, but there's something here. There's something to explore that's happening within me. And so that that really like cracked the shell of my militant atheism and sent me on my own spiritual journey. So I'll always be grateful to the Hare Krishnas, um, despite all the trauma and the weirdness and everything in our history, because they really like just opened me up to, you know, explore that that area of, oh my God, I love that. of myself, really. Yeah. And so, I- and I was curious because when we were talking, you, you talked about going down that road and like, um, exploring alternative forms of spirituality. And then you came up against another, like really painful, hard truth. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, the gentleman who was leading these sound healing meditations that I was talking about earlier, um, he, ended up um we both sort of left arizona we moved away from the town where we met and we ended up in a really close area proximity to each other in like northern california southern oregon and he began leading sound healing ceremonies up there and i was like oh this is great you know those are really powerful i'm gonna go see him and at the time um i had been diagnosed with a really scary heart condition like a heart defect that uh, effectively made it so my life expectancy was in my 50s and I was never going to be able to have children and um, it was like a really scary diagnosis for me and I went to the sound healing meditation uh, it was specifically a heart healing meditation and it was on Valentine's Day and I, I didn't have any expectations but it was a really powerful experience. I like during the meditation, I had like tears streaming down my face. I had visions of my ancestors and visions of Jesus. And I had a vision of liquid gold flowing through these cracks in my heart and fusing it, (laughs) fusing it together. And at the end, I told the leader of the meditation how powerful it was. And I told him, I have a cardiologist appointment tomorrow and I feel like when I go in there, he's going to tell me that everything is fine. And that's exactly what happened. Wow. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Um, That's amazing. I had been misdiagnosed and 
the cardiologist was like, yeah, your heart is perfect. Go have children. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. So that gave me so much faith in the power of sound healing and in particular of this healer who I was working with, who I'd known for many years at this point. And so I started to see him somewhat regularly for one-on-one healing work. And you might be able to guess where this is going. Um, Eventually I I was seeing him for, he started to do body work with me too. He was, um, he was really good at Thai yoga massage and was getting certified. And so Mm -hmm. we practiced with each other and eventually he sexually assaulted me during the healing session. Fuck. Yeah. Fuck. (laughs) And, and to add insult to injury, he also told me that I didn't pay him enough money for it. What? He's like, I charge extra for sexual assault. So if you could just But also, I think that that's like, that just shores up like Sylvia Federici, the sociologist that wrote the book Caliban and the Witch that I referenced earlier. Like, that is her point. Her point is that like anytime religion is used by men, it is like to fucking make women sexually submissive and objectify them and like put them down, you know? And it's like so fucking crazy. Yeah. And it just is so ubiquitous. And they're like, I'm the teacher yeah. now and you fucking owe me, bitch. Swallow right. my cum or whatever. Yeah. Well, and the Sorry. thing that the, and the thing I think is so powerful about this story is that it one might look at this experience and say, I, okay, this uh, vision that I had of my heart um, being fused back together, this right. gorgeous vision, like it was bullshit because, you know, I was at this sound healing that this fucking piece of shit was having. And turns out he's, you know, um, he's a fake and he, there's nothing spiritual about it or whatever, whatever you could say. But what I think is so powerful is that like, Chelsea, you created that image. That was your image that you right. Or she could have been. You could have been also tapping into a spiritual energy. Like I think that's the thing. My takeaway about the Holy Spirit is like I know a thousand percent that that energy is real. Like that is not crazy. That doesn't exist. The heart image, the gold in the heart image, could have been real and spiritual and transcendent. But it doesn't have to be tied to all of those other things. You know. Yeah, absolutely. It, yeah, like I, I feel the same exact way. In fact, I'm grateful that right. he did that to me. As weird as that sounds, because that basically like propelled me onto a whole nother level of and that's realizing, fucking like you said, Remy, like yeah, like that was me. Like all of those experiences I had came from within my own spirit, my own body, they came through me. And just because mm. this guy was there playing the didgeridoo doesn't mean right. it was him, <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah, you created it, yeah. And that's the shitty thing about yeah. men too, is that they can be conduits. They can be conduits, you know? They can, like, some of that shit can be real, right? But then they rape you or, right. you know, sexually assault yeah. you or whatever. And so it's like, it doesn't mean that the good shit wasn't good, right? Yeah. And it's the shit yeah. that you created. Right. Like, and well, so Chelsea, you wrote me an email when we were talking back and forth about this and I pulled out a section of it because I thought it was so fucking profound and so beautiful. You said, I think the common thread linking all these stories is the desire for spiritual truth 
and the belief uh, that others know something we don't, which can lead us to put our faith into an outside group or leader. Later on, when we're confronted with their flawed humanity and realize they have their own agenda, along with the propensity to manipulate their followers to fulfill their own needs and desires, there's a real temptation to snap backwards into cynicism. Our trust has been violated, and the truth we thought we had found is tainted with lies. We're left to figure things out on our own without the guidance of an all-knowing leader. This is the ultimate blessing in disguise. And I think mm-hmm. that's so fucking right on is that like we so right and, on. and and it's this sort of this message of Kamari is that we have it in ourselves we don't need anyone else we don't need religion we don't need a fucking bullshit leader we don't we don't need any of that like right. we are we are generators of um like spiritual what is the word like we are the generators of our well, own it's, beautiful a, it's a miracle it's it's the mystery miracle thing right yeah, it's, and it's just in like us. It's in right. us and the, individually. You, you are the sacred yeah. thing. Right. Like you are the sacred itself. Yes. And like, I think that this is that thing about when I said earlier that meditation is so profound for me because it's like just slowing down and like stopping the chatter for one fucking second and just yeah. acknowledging that I'm actually here, you know, present in this fucking moment. Yeah. That is gold. That is spiritual. And you don't need anyone to do that. No, not a fucking thing. And that's why the Buddha even, it's like the Buddha was not here to teach a religion. Jesus did not come to found Catholicism or get, you know, thousands of years of murder, you know, like the, the, at the core of all of those teachings is like be present and be generous and be compassionate, you know, that's it. And all the other shit's just been tacked on. Yeah. Yeah. So beautiful. Chelsea, will you just briefly share kind of your story about meeting um, your partner who you're currently with? Because to me, I was like, this to me sounds like what God is really fucking about. Yeah, I would love to share. Um, So my partner and I met um, about eight years ago online, like before dating apps were even a thing. (laughs) And we, okay, yeah, (laughs) we, uh, plenty of fish, actually. Oh, um, <laughs> so we went. Remy, on a help me write date. my first OK Cupid profile. On yeah. <laughs> yeah, we all have a dating app story, don't we? Yeah, of course. Um, so we went on a handful of dates. We we had a great connection, but I ended up moving to California for a job opportunity, and so we just sort of like went our separate ways, but we kept in touch over the years, um, not in a, in a, you know, any kind of like, uh, we, I think we we're both dating other people. We would just check in with each other now and then. And um, I keep a dream journal because I have had like really detailed prophetic dreams in the past. So I love to just like write down my dreams, analyze them, because otherwise you forget about them. So one day, I had just written down a dream and Love I decided that. to flip back. Um, I decided to flip back and read some of my previous dreams. So I just opened to a page randomly and started reading this dream that I had about my partner. And he, uh, in the dream, I took an elevator to this really, uh, so wait, so wait, like, really high floor in a building. Yeah. Wait, Chelsea, this is how, how much time had passed since you'd had the dream and written it down? About a year. Okay, so this um, is a year later. A year later, after the dream had happened and I'd forgotten all about it, um, I started reading about it in my journal. And 
So in this dream, I take an elevator to a really high floor and I meet this man and he's, you know, um, he's waiting for me and we just share this kiss. And this kiss felt like so amazing in the dream. It was like tender and romantic. And, and in the dream, I remember thinking, I think I'm in love with this man. And then I took an elevator back down and, um, (laughs) and in the elevator were my mom and my current partner at the time, but they both looked like these evil trolls and they were being really mean to me. Yeah. You wrote all (laughs) of this down. I wrote all of it down. Yeah. It's amazing. There were a lot more details. I'm sparing you a lot. (laughs) Wow. I love that. Dream stuff. But anyway, um, and I, I kind of had this realization after I read that, like, wow, my current partner and my mom are both these like angry alcoholics that treat me like shit, you know, but like, I'm sure it's not the first time I had that realization, but that was how my subconscious chose to show me in my dream. Mm. It was like, I'm going down the elevator with these two angry trolls and like leaving behind right. this like angelic man who gives me all these romantic feels and love. Wow. And so, so I read that that uh, dream journal entry. And I was just like, wow, I forgot all about that dream. That was powerful. And, um, and then so I went about my day. So mm-hmm. Jungian. Yeah, totally. And so then later that day, that same very day that I read this dream journal entry, I get a message from my current partner at the time, hadn't spoken to him in months probably. And um, in this DM, he tells me that he doesn't have any expectations, but he just has to let me know that he's still in love with me uh, and he's never gotten what? he's never gotten over me all these years. On the very same day. The very same day. That's <laughs> wild. It's wild. It was so crazy. Yeah. And to add another layer of craziness, he the reason why he felt compelled that day to message me is because he had had a very powerful psychedelic experience in which these spirit guides told him that he couldn't go any further in life without me. What? Like he, he had to have me in his life to like progress on this journey. Damn. Isn't yeah. that fucking wild? Damn. That's and now, insane. And I now think they're we, together. I think, I think y'all should workshop. So you need to contact like Netflix or something. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Make your own fucking yeah. documentary. Yeah. <laughs> that is totally. such such a fucking powerful story. And what I love about it is that there is this element of God in it to me. It's the mystery. It's mm. like the mystical. And it's also like generated within ourselves. Neither one of you needed a fucking guru to get there. Right. And and yet it yeah. feels like guided. It feels, you know, these spiritual well, guides, these dreams. Yeah. For sure. And part of the thing, and Chelsea, part of the other thing that I loved about it, just to bounce piggyback on you, Rem, is like, for me, the most sacred fucking realization is that God is is inside of me, you know? And that was the most deep wound of being a faggot, was learning that God had made me in their image and I had, and I was a container of this sacred thing, but I was flawed and like, therefore by that flaw removed from them or like, and that's so fucking false. Right. It's like reclaiming the power and I, and Chelsea, what you're saying and what I'm hearing from you is like, you are reclaiming, you are like, you have all of this 
you have this way and alchemy right like you take back power from things yeah 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 absolutely i mean just think of how much power there is to be gained by convincing people that god is outside of them and they can only communicate with god through the conduit of a church a preacher right. a religious leader Right. Of a guy in a smock so, in a fucking building somewhere. Who's, who's, by the way, out there raping and raping sexually children, assaulting and right. lying and, yeah, like embezzling right. and all the things. Yeah. And women are still not allowed to do it. Right, 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 right. Yeah, because women are evil, but men have been, but we're spending that, mil- billions of dollars on sex assault cases. Right. Right. Yeah. Chelsea, thank you so, so much for coming on and sharing your stories. I know a lot of those stories are really tender and vulnerable and you've had like such an incredible journey and thank you so much for reaching out and like just expressing that you wanted us to talk about this because obviously we have so much to say about it. It was so, it was so powerful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. Well, thank you guys. Thanks for taking my suggestion for this and for sharing your stories too. like both of what you shared what you both shared was so powerful. You both gave me full body chills uh, and I'm just so, I had I'm so happy. Too. I decided to reach out. Yay. Yay. And you can reach out to us too, dear listener. Uh, we are on- our beloved listener. <laughs> our, our email is trauma dong at gmail.com. We're on Facebook trauma ding dong and um, like comment, subscribe on Apple podcasts. Leave us a little note. Please. And are those all the things? Oh yeah, you can sponsor us. We are at anchor FM forward slash Tramarama Ding Dong. Tramarama Ding Dong. All right. Is that good? I we love did, oh, anything else you want to add? I just want everyone to be blessed. I feel yeah, like, be if we, blessed. like brought up if we brought up God this whole fucking time, you know, yeah. Jesus, be fucking blessed. Be blessed, y'all. y'all. <laughs> Trama. Rama. Ding. Dong. Ding dong. Uh, Have a good one, y'all. Bye. Bye.